Okay. All right, let's uh, get into the ministry of the Word of God, and uh, we're going to start with a prayer. Okay, Father, we uh, once again, we thank you, Jesus, for just the sense of your presence and, uh, and uh, just the, 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 the sense of being in fellowship with you, Lord, in the Spirit. And now, Father, we want to uh, open your Word because we believe, Lord, there is only one truth, and that is the truth of your Word of God. The word of God, your word. So, Father, we uh, we ask you that you will uh, pour out your Spirit uh, into our hearts, so that we will be able to understand, Father, the truth that, that is contained in your word, and by it we'll be transformed and become more and more like you, Jesus. This we ask in your name. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Okay, let's go to. Uh, John chapter 17, I'm going to start from verse 1. It says here, this is after Jesus comforting the, the, the disciples, and then it says in verse 1, When Jesus has spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you, since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. I have manifested your name to the people whom you, you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you. For I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them, and have come to know it in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. All right. This last few weeks, we, uh, we, uh, we've actually gone through, not entire, in the entire book, uh, the Gospel of John, but the, pretty much a huge chunk of the book of John, and we've tackled the, the topic of, the theme of, of the truth in the book of John. As a matter of fact, I, uh, in my introduction, I, I made a statement that the gospel of John is pretty much, we can say, is the gospel of truth because it, de it declares the essence of who Jesus is. And in that, in our presentation or in, our, our, in my sermons, uh, we, uh, I pointed out how Jesus embodied the truth and the uh, the statement he made, I, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. He embodies all those things. And I also made a point that it is a prevailing truth. And the, the disciples are those who keep the word, the truth, and defined by this truth. And, uh, and that the word of God, the truth, actually separates them from the world. And also, uh, 
uh, uh, talked about Jesus as the prevailing word of God. He is the prevailing truth. And in my strong statement last week, I said there's only one truth. That which is embodied, that which is taught, and that which was proclaimed, proclaimed by Jesus. He is the, the incarnate word, and uh, he is the truth. So in this passage, we are, we are not going to, uh, to go, you know, verse by verse, but uh, there are some things that I would like to highlight in, in this passage. We, uh, we just finished yesterday the, uh, another online DMS, Discipleship Ministry School, and it was powerful. Just watching people going through the Word of God and, then, and watching them experiencing an encounter with the Holy Spirit through the Word of God as the Holy Spirit opens the truth through the Word of God. And it really, you know, I've, I, uh, it's one of those very significant uh, things because it's probably one of those rare times we, we've done so many, I think since 2004 we did DMS every year. And... Uh, this time, I actually said in most of the sessions and really going through the, through the, the every session and watch the discussion and listen to it. And I thought, wow, uh, God is is uh, doing a good thing, and and it makes me really more convinced about this idea of discipleship. And I believe that church, the whole purpose of the church is making disciples. And I, I want to I just go, go through this, this passage, right? Before, before we actually get into it, I'm going to say this. I think I've, said, I've probably mentioned it before in the past, but I want to throw this question again. You know, if Jesus' mission to come to the world and all he did was to be offered as a, as a, as a holy, blameless, perfect, sacrificial lamb of God for the sin of mankind, if that's all he needed to do, why? I mean, he could have died when he was a baby. Or he could have died when he was 50, 60 years old. Right? I mean, that makes sense. If that's all he needed to do, and, uh, you know, the book of Romans says, at the right time, Jesus came and died for mankind. When, when is that right time? And we know the story of Jesus, that he, he spent three and a half years ministering in the earth. And then, so why did he only spend three and a half years? Why, why did Jesus die at that particular time? I think uh, he died... When, when he was 33 years old. So what, what is it? Well, the passage that we just read, it's interesting. It says he, at the very last moment, just before he was crucified, Jesus offered this prayer. He said, Father, the hour has come. Okay, so in other words, he realized, now is the time for me to go. And then he asked the Father, glorify the Son, that your Son may glorify you. Since you have given him authority over all, all flesh to give eternal life. And then in verse 4, he said, 
I glorified, I glorified you on earth, having accomplished. Now I want to, to uh, emphasize in that. Jesus said, I have pretty much he said, I have accomplished the work you gave me to do. And then he said, Now, Father, glorify me with your in your presence with the glory I once had before you. That I had before the world began. Let's just stop in that in that verse. At that moment, Jesus said, I've finished the work. I've accomplished the work. Now glorify me. So he asked for a reward, pretty much. As I read that, the question came to me. It's like, uh, Jesus, no, you haven't accomplished all that you were sent to do because you haven't been to the cross. Isn't that what you're, you're here for? The, the whole purpose is you're here for to die on the cross and now you said, I've done everything I can, and now I need my reward, so glorify me because I've accomplished what I need to do. That's a good question here. And then so you think, so how do we answer the, that question? The answer to that question is verse 6. He said, I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world, yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you. For I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them and have come to know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. They here is referred to the, the disciples, Peter, John, James, and the disciples, except for Judas, who betrayed him. So here's, here's my, my point. Yes, Jesus came to the world to die for the sin of mankind, but there's something, uh, there is a, 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 an appointed time where Jesus was meant to go to the cross. But I believe from that passage, this is what, what I picked up, is that Jesus, in his time, he had to prepare a group of people who would, because of his ministry or through his ministry, would be set apart where he would teach them everything he knew. That's like he said, all the words you gave me, Father, I have given them to them. I have prepared them. And I believe it was as if Jesus said, until such time that I know they are prepared, they have been prepared with the truth of the word of God, I'm not ready yet to go to the cross. I'm willing to go to the cross, but I need to prepare these people. And without that, I'm not ready. I believe this is probably the core of, of Jesus' ministry is making disciples. And you notice, after the day of his of, of resurrection, before he, just before his ascension, before he went to, to heaven, he gathered the disciples in Matthew chapter 28. He said, he gave them what we know now in, in the Christian churches and in, in our belief system, what is known as the Great Commission. 
And in that Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 and 20, he said, All authority has been given to me. And because of that, go. Because I have conquered the world. Authority has been given to me. And now I'm sending you. Go into all the world. To do what? To make disciples. That's it. To make disciples. I want to make... I want to be a bit more particular about this. Jesus commissioned us as his followers to go into all the world, not to make converts. I think we need to go deeper than that. He sent you and I into the world to make disciples, just like Jesus discipled those people, the 12 of them. It is that important that he wasn't ready to, the, to go to the cross until they were well prepared. And I believe this is the call of the church. After seeing what happened in DMS, I thought, yes, God, I want to see more of this. I want to see more of these people. People being transformed. We are so accustomed with, you know, I'm a Christian now. And, you know, I always, I've, I've said it before, but I'm going to say it again anyway. Jesus didn't come to the world to die for a religion. He died for people. And by his power, through the power of the Holy Spirit, he transformed people's lives. Yeah, that is the aim. And we are so accustomed with this term, Christianity. You know, the word Christian is actually first, the first occurrence of, of the word Christian is actually in Acts chapter 11, verse 26. When Paul, went, Paul and Barnabas went to Antioch, and he says, the disciples in Antioch for the first time called Christians. It was, you got to understand, in the, in the, in the culture at, the, at that time, Christian is a, it's almost like a almost like a derogatory name because they act like Jesus, you know, like you know, it's a Christ thing, you know, it's like little Christ sort of thing. And uh, you can see that 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 uh, cynical uh, cynical tone expressed by King Agrippa when Paul made his defense, and King Agrippa said, "Now, why are you trying to convince me to become a Christian now?" <laughs> so, uh, so it is. It is the disciples that are called Christians. So anyone who, and throughout history, we are, we are so accustomed to this name Christians, it becomes a cultural thing. But the reality is, is, you know, if we take from the Bible that it was the disciples who were called Christians. And Jesus, in Matthew chapter 28, when he said, make disciples of all nations, he didn't stop there. What does that really mean to make disciples of all nations? In Matthew 28, verse 20, Jesus said, Teach them to obey everything I have taught you. Wow. That's what you make, that's how you make disciples. Teach them to obey everything I have taught you. Now that confirms the statement of Jesus in John chapter 8, verse 31. He said, It says that to the Jews who believe in Jesus, Jesus said, if you keep my word, obey my word, then you will be my disciples. 
Okay? First, you just believe, but now you need to keep my word. And the next step he said, once you keep my word, he said, then you will know the truth. And once you know the truth and make yourself accustomed to the truth, he said, then the truth will set you free. So, so that what consumed Jesus, really. You guys need to know the truth because the truth will set you free. And that's why when Jesus made the Great Commission, he said, go into all the world, make disciples of all nations and teach them to obey everything that I have taught you. Yeah. Disciples are defined according to their obedience to the teaching of Jesus. And that is our job. That's what, what, what it means to be a church. I want to read this. this uh, I want to make this statement also. In other words, just as Jesus embodied the truth, you and I, as disciples of Jesus, are called to embody the truth also. It's really interesting because when I read Colossians chapter uh, Colossians chapter chapter one and chapter two, chapter one verse verse uh, nineteen, it says that all the the fullness of the deity of God dwells in Jesus bodily. And in, in chapter chapter uh, two, verse nine, also, for in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And then Paul continued, and in Christ you have been brought into His fullness. Now here's the point I'm trying to make. Jesus is the embodiment of all that God is. In other words, he makes sense of what, who God is. He's the embodiment of, of all that God is. And we, the church, are called to be, according to Colossians, it's not a metaphor like in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 about the human body. It's actually speaking of embodiment. And it says, the church is the body of Christ. In other words, just as Jesus embodies all that God is, you and I, the church, are meant to embody all that Jesus is. Now that is, that is mind-blowing. But for that to happen, we need to have our lives touched by the truth and be transformed by the truth. And live by the truth. I'm not going to spend too much time. I'm coming towards a close here. And this is what I believe. The call of the church. To be disciples of Jesus. And what it really means is this. The call of discipleship therefore. Is to be people who embody the truth. So it's more than just knowing the truth. But. To be well acquainted, submit to the truth at any cost, like Jesus submitted to the truth. 
transformed by the truth and live out the truth. Why? Because our call, like Paul said, we are called to be ambassadors of Christ. That means we have to be accurate representation of all that Jesus is. Now, obviously, it's not going to be by our own strength, but we've gone through this series of the truth. We are transformed by the truth, but us being acquainted to uh, be the truth by the power of the Holy Spirit, which is the spirit of truth that will lead us into all truth, that will reveal the truth in us and do the work of the Word of God in our lives. So I think the world now is going crazy, and I think, I believe, we need to take our call really seriously, what it means to be the people of God, people of the truth. And it's very simple. Like I said, do we, do we see the truth to the point that we, like, yeah, it, I, will, I will leave out the truth at any cost? And we have to do that with our family. Our children need to see how much we love the truth, love Jesus, love the Word of God. My wife needs to see how passionate I am. Everything that I do, like, when I think of, of Diane, I, I see her passion for Jesus, her passion for the Word of God, the truth. Our family, our friends, that, that could be our neighbors, people at work, or young people, school, people at school, your friends at school. We need to take this idea of being disciples of Jesus. Like I said, it was the disciples that were called Christians. And the definition of the disciples is one who obeys everything that Jesus teaches. So if we call ourselves a Christian, like if I call myself a Christian, or somebody comes to me and says, yeah, I'm a Christian, I might not necessarily ask him verbally, but in my head, like, okay, so you say you're a Christian, so you're a disciple of Jesus, right? And if you're a disciple of Jesus, so today, right now, currently, you are living a life that is in obedience to all the teaching of Jesus. Now, don't, don't hear what I'm not saying. Like I said before, we can do that by the power of the Holy Spirit. And to do that, it's not about our own strength, but it's about our surrendering to Jesus and surrendering and being led by the power of the Holy Spirit. I think if every person, just keep it simple, and uh, if, if you have the truth that you, 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 you surrender yourself to, to the point that your life is transformed by the truth, and the Bible actually is very clear that you and I are being transformed in the second, second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 to 21, that we are being transformed. Sorry, second Corinthians chapter 3. All right? We are being transformed into the image of His Son. As a matter of fact, Paul also said in, the, in the Romans chapter 8, verse 29, I believe, where he said, 
who whom he predestined he also called whom he called he also justified and he said we are being predestined to be to become conformed to the image of his son Jesus Christ so you and I are being changed day after day but that change can only happen the degree to the change and the extent of that change depends on the extent of our submission to the truth of the word of God our willingness to embrace the truth and be transformed by it so with that I'd like to close in prayer and this is a call for discipleship that we will embrace the truth so that we can be transformed by the truth and we can be people of the truth let's pray father in the name of Jesus we love your truth Lord we love you Jesus we ask that once again Lord the Holy Spirit will activate the truth and lead us into the truth of the Word of God the world is a dying world out there there are a lot of confusions Lord but your people your word says father in, in in the book of Isaiah that darkness will cover the earth and great darkness the people but your light will come Lord but you've designed father that your life uh, your light's gonna shine not just not just it, it is possible not just the supernatural light in the sky but your glory will be manifested through your people who are willing to embrace the truth, submit to the truth, your word. Father, lead us, Lord, every step of the way. Thank you, Jesus. We rejoice in you, Father, because you said heaven and earth will pass away, but your word will endure forever. Thank you, Jesus. Bless your people. In Jesus' name. We're going to close with this song. Rejoice.